Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? How did everybody like the way we changed up the morning? Did you guys like worship being a little different? Announcements, good? Yeah. Yeah? Awesome. I, I, I enjoyed it too. I have one more announcement for us before we get going here. Um, Faith Walkers is coming up very soon. It's our annual conference we do every year. It's in Grand Junction this year. Um, it, it's from December 27th through the 30th. So if, if I think the sign-up date, it goes up another amount here at the beginning of next month, the beginning of November. So you need to sign up soon. We have flyers on the table up there you can take to grab for that. Uh, it's a great time. A lot of our pastors and um, just leaders throughout the movement speak at it. There's a lot of seminars, different things. Good time just to be together as a family. We'd love for you guys to get signed up and join us there this year. Um, so make sure you do that. Again, Faith Walkers, we're gonna, we'll probably show a video next week, a little video promo for it, so be watching for that. Uh, but again, you can grab the flyers. They're up on that table in the cafe, and, and that'll get us going on that. So... All right. Well, last week we started uh, with the first calling. Greg filled us in with the first calling in this series. What on earth am I here for? And it was your planned for God's pleasure. You're called to be loved. You're called to be loved. That's what he shared on. This week we're going to look at the second calling. And the second calling is that you were formed for God's family. That's what, that's what this week is going to be on. You've been called to belong to God's church, which is going to go on forever. His church is going to go on forever in eternity. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. Here's a couple verses. This one here it says, You are members of God's very own family, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. Ephesians 2.19. Another verse here in Hebrews 2.10. It says, God is the one who made all things, and all things are for His glory. He wanted to have many children. He wanted to have many children share His glory. It's important. God doesn't intend for you or I or any of us to go through this life alone. He's put us in a family. He's given us brothers and sisters to go in this life with, and that's important. Let's pray and ask God to bless our time here this morning. Well, God, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for bringing each and every person here this morning. God, you've put us here for a reason this morning because you want to work on our hearts. God, you want to speak to us this morning. God, I pray that you'd help each one of us focus on you this morning. God, I pray that you'd just speak through me, help me to get out of the way. God, I pray that you would really have people walk away from here with one thing they're chewing on, one thing they're thinking about, one place they need to be more committed, one thing they need to do to honor you this morning. God, I pray that you'd work on our hearts. Help us to be quiet before you this morning. God, and just listen to you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, does everybody have a handout? Anybody need a handout? Raise your hand. Anybody need a pen? We have pens too if you need a pen. There should be some either stuck magnetized in front of you in a pocket. There's some back there. People can grab a pen for you if you need one. Anybody need one? Everybody good? Alright, I guess that means everybody's good because I don't see anybody raising their hands. Either that or you already crumpled it up and threw it away. Hopefully not. <laughs> Hopefully not. Alright, so we're going to jump right in. Beginning of the handout there. The second purpose of my life is that God formed me for His family. That's your blank. God formed me for His family. God formed you and me. He formed all of us for His family. If God hadn't wanted a family, you know what? We wouldn't exist. That's the reality of it. If He hadn't wanted a family, if He had designed it that way, we wouldn't exist. God made you because He loves you. He loves me. He loves all of us. And He wants you to love Him back. And be a part of His family. 
That's what he desires. That's what, what he came. Here's a, a verse here in Ephesians 1.5. It says this. It says, His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. He wants to adopt us into his own family. He has made a family. The Bible makes that very clear. So the first calling of our life that we looked at last week was that we're to be loved by God. We're just to be loved by God. The second one is that we belong to Him. We belong to Him. We belong to His family. That's the the second calling. Another blank here. God's family is called the church. The church is the blank. This verse here in 1 Timothy 3, 14 and 15 says, I am writing to you so you can know how to live in the family of God. That family is the church of the living God, the support and foundation of the truth. So he's writing there, he's saying, this is how I want you to live in the family of God. And then he goes on very clearly and says, the family of God is the church. That's what I've designed. That is the family of God. So God made us for his family. His family's called the church, and he's called us to belong to that family. Pretty clear. Next point here, next blank. I am called to belong to his church. That's our calling. We're called to belong to his church. Some more verses to support that. It says Ephesians 2:19 it says so now you are no longer visitors or strangers. Now you are citizens together with God's holy people. You belong to God's family. Another one here in Romans 1:6 you are among those who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. We've been called to belong. That's what we've been called to do. Some interesting things here. The Greek word for church is ecclesia, and that just means the called out. Ecclesia means the called out. The word church literally means the group of people called by God. Called by God. We are called out of the world and into God's family. Church isn't an event. It's not an event. It's not this building that we're in. It has nothing to do with any of that. Church isn't something you go to. It's something that you belong to. It's a relationship. It's all about the relationship. It's not about the building. It's not about any of that. It's about the relationships with other people. We have a great building here. It's nice, huh? Good building. If you saw it before, you'd say, this is a really nice building, <laughs> as opposed to what it was before. But, and we put a lot of work into the building to make it a place where we could meet, but it's not about the building. It's not. It's not about these bricks and mortar. It's about each one of you. It's about each one of you coming here together that makes this a church, that makes this God's church. In the Bible, a church is referred to by using several different metaphors, five actually. The church is called a family. It's called a temple. It's called a body. It's called a flock. And it's called a garden in different places throughout the Bible. This morning, we're going to look at those five metaphors to help us understand a little bit why the church was designed the way it is, why God created it, and that one of the main reasons he created it was to take care of our deepest needs, to fill in those deepest needs, to take care of those. So let's just jump right in. The five benefits of belonging to God's family. The first one we're going to talk about is the family. And in God's family, the blank there is, I learn my true identity. So in God's family, I learn my true identity. What was the first thing when you went to middle school? You jumped in, you're in middle school. What was the first thing you worried about? That's what you look like, right? What shirt am I wearing? What shoes am I wearing? Are they the cool new shoes? For me, it was high tops, right? And you didn't lace them up. You let the tongue hang out. That was the cool thing. That was a long time ago. <laughs> There's something. It was the logo. It was the company you were wearing. And, and you know what? 
a lot of people, a lot of kids thought, okay, right away, as soon as they saw you, they thought about what you were, what you looked like. And almost always, your identity came down to those clothes you were wearing. The clothes you were wearing or the way you did your hair. I had spiky long hair. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> no idea. I just had spiky long hair. I wore glasses too. Ooh, ooh. You know what that got me? I was that scrawny little kid that spiky long hair with glasses that got crammed in trash cans a lot. <laughs> I just get folded in half and dropped in a trash can. You know what? It's really hard to get out of a trash can when you're folded in half, stuck in it. <laughs> you just had to rock for a while, rock, and eventually the trash can would fall over and you could crawl out. But that, that was me. I guess I, I guess I didn't have the right shirt on with the right logo or something. <laughs> something was off. But that's, you know what? It hasn't changed as we're adults. As we've moved on from middle school to adults, it's still about the same things. Our world thinks about our identity based on the car we drive. What type of car do you drive? Is it a nice car? Is it a Mercedes? Or is it an old Ford Pinto? What are you driving? That, that just instantly people think something, depending on what you do. What brand of phone do you have? Do you have the nice, shiny new iPhone 5S, C? Or do you have some dumb phone <laughs> that you can just call on? Who has a phone like that anymore? I mean, come on. Right? That's, that's what people think. They, they base their, uh, your identity on the things you have. And what, you, what do you do for a living is another one. What's your job? Just instantly, people, people put an identity on you. The truth is, though, most of our identity doesn't come from the things we wear on the outside. It comes from our relationships, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. It comes from our relationships with other people. Me, I'm a son. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a small group leader in this church. I'm a pastor in this church. Each of those things define who I am. They define who I am. Our identity is tied to our relationships. My relationship with my wife, my relationships with my kids, my relationships with my parents. Those define who I am. Here's a verse here in Ephesians 2.19. It says, You are members of God's very own family. And you belong to God. You belong in God's household with every other Christian. Some of you may have come from dysfunctional or non-existent families. You know what the good news is? You know what the good news is if that's your past? Your most important family is God's family. And that's true. The most important family is God's family because it's the permanent one. It's going to go on forever. It's going to go on into eternity. God's family, these brothers and sisters you're with, you're going to spend eternity with. Your spiritual family is actually more important than your physical family. Because the reality is physical families don't last. Right? People grow up and people eventually die. No physical family lasts forever. Your physical family is not going to be here forever, but again, your spiritual family is going to last forever. In fact, God said that He created the whole universe for the spiritual family, for His church. That's what He created the universe and everything for. In Hebrews 2.11, it says this, Jesus and the people He makes holy all belong to the same family. That is why He isn't ashamed to call them brothers or sisters. It says He isn't ashamed to call them as brothers or sisters. Isn't that crazy? How Jesus calls you and me, his brothers and sisters. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. It even says he's not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. No matter what's happened in your life up to this point or what's going to happen in the future, he's not ashamed of you. He's not ashamed to call you a brother or a sister. Now, I know some of you have brothers and sisters you probably are a little ashamed of. Right? You're like, oh, he's not with us. I don't know him. I don't know that guy. Ooh, I don't know. Right? We probably all have one of those. But the cool thing is, you know what? No matter what we do, Jesus never does that. Jesus never looks at us and goes, ooh, I don't know that guy. No. He's not ashamed of you. 
He loves you because you're part of His family. He loves everything about you because you're part of His family. One of the great benefits of being in God's family is that sin doesn't define you anymore. Sin isn't the defining factor. We've all sinned. We know that. We sin every day. But our sin doesn't define us anymore. And you may have some sin in your life, or, um, but you're in the family. You know what? You're in the family and the Bible says that Jesus isn't ashamed of you. Bank on that. He's not ashamed of you. He doesn't lie. His word is true. By belonging to God's family, you will learn your true identity. A lot of groups have a mark or a symbol that marks who they are. Some that you can think of right off the top of your head is gangs. Gangs will often have a tattoo or a mark or something that signifies that they're part of that gang. Some schools have dress codes. They have things they wear that signify that this is a student at this school. <clears throat> Do you know what the mark of someone who belongs to God's family is? It's baptism. Baptism is that mark. Being baptized is a public symbol that says, you know what? To this world, I'm not ashamed to be a part of God's family. That's what baptism does. It's just a, a public proclamation of your faith in God and that you belong to His family. You may not have it all figured out. That doesn't mean, okay, I have to wait till I know everything about Christianity before I get baptized. No, that's, that's not what it is. It's you standing up and going, you know what? No, I've made a decision. I'm part of God's family, and I want the world to know. If you're here and you're a believer and you've never been baptized and you want to be baptized, please don't wait any longer. Don't wait any longer. It's a simple step of obedience that God's called you to. We're going to have baptisms at the end of this series. We're going to probably do them the weekend of November 23rd, 24th. If you're interested in getting baptized, if you've never been baptized, or if you have questions about it, or you want to know more about it, please talk to myself or one of the other pastors or someone you met here this morning about it. We'd love to get you baptized. Take the step of obedience because God calls us, again, all believers, to be baptized. Make that public proclamation. Join in His family. Alright, the second metaphor we're going to look at this morning that God used to describe the church is a temple. A temple is a building erected for God's glory. It's a place where people can go to worship God, to honor God, to love God. That's what a temple is. When I, when I was in college, I, I worked for a framing company part-time. I framed houses. Uh, it was really interesting. You'd show up for the first day of the job, and there would be a nice cement slab and a big stack of wood, all in pieces, all different sizes, all different things, plywood, siding, everything, all just in a big pile. But you know what was interesting about that is that, didn't, that in and of itself, just that pile of wood didn't make the building. It took work. It took connecting all those different pieces and parts in the right place to make the building. And you know what? You don't belong to the building until you're connected to it. You're not part of that house until that board goes in there and is connected to it. That's how some of you are here. Maybe you've come to the Firehouse Church, but you don't belong to it. You don't belong to it. You've never taken the time to get connected or to take the commitment to say, Hey, you know what? I belong here. This is my church. Why again did God choose the temple in this illustration? He did it because in a building, all of the connected parts, everything together, support each other. They support each other. They make the building strong. Any architect here, Greg, anyone else knows that's why things are designed. They're designed for strength, to hold things together, to make it work. A bunch of disconnected parts of a building lying around, even as it's going into it, in disarray, they don't make the building strong. Those of you who were here working on our building when we did it, you know there was a lot of stuff in this building and a lot of piles and you couldn't find your tools, you couldn't find the box of tile you needed. It took a while. 
But once everything came together and all those pieces got put where they are, it's made the building what it is. It's made it strong. It's made it a good building that we can use. Not a place where you trip over pieces of the building and get hurt. Any pieces that aren't connected aren't helping the building be strong. So the second thing in God's temple, the blank there, is I am supported by others. I am supported by others. We're not on this mission again by ourselves. We said that at the beginning. God didn't put us here to do this by ourselves, to be on our own, to be the Lone Ranger Christian. He put us here to be supported by others. We're on this mission together, and in this family, and in this church, we support each other. There are going to be times in life where you need other people. And if you're not connected to a church, you're going to fall apart. That's the reality. If you don't have someone that you can turn to, that you can trust their counsel, that you can trust their advice, you're going to fall apart. In Ephesians 2, 21 and 22, it says this, In Christ the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. In Romans 1.12 it says this, I want us to help each other with the faith we have. Your faith will help me, and my faith will help you. I really like that part. Your faith will help me, and my faith will help you. A way we do that practically here at the Firehouse Church is we have small groups where we take those relationships to a deeper level, where we connect with each other and we come alongside each other and we support each other and we listen to each other and we care for each other and we love each other. If you've never joined one of these groups, I I challenge you, there's some sheets that we have on the back table here that give us some times of where we meet in the locations. We meet on Wednesday nights and there's nine different locations. Join us. Join my small group. Come talk to me afterward. I'd love to have you join us this Wednesday. Now, we're not perfect. The Firehouse Church is not perfect. There are a lot of things we could probably do better as a church. And that's going to be true about any church in our world today. No church is perfect. There's no such thing as a perfect church. But I'll tell you one more thing. This church is full of loving people. This church is full of loving people who are willing to come alongside you and support you through thick and thin, through hard times in life, through challenges, through things you may be going through. Don't walk out of this building without deciding in your mind that you're going to get connected, that you're going to jump into a small group, that you're going to build deeper relationships this week. Do it. Do it, please. Please, again, come talk to me. You can all come to my small group this week. We'll figure out some way for you all to fit in my house. (laughs) Please, get connected. Get connected. It's important. You need to be one of those parts of the building that's connected to it so that you don't fall apart. All right, the third metaphor of the church is that of a body. It says this in 1 Corinthians 12, 27. It says, Now you, he's talking about Christians here, are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. All right, so we're all different parts, but we're connected to the body of Christ together so that we can accomplish things. We can accomplish things way more than we can if we were just a part, if we were just our own little part sitting out there. You aren't going to find out about your place or how you matter anywhere else than in the church. That's the truth. That's where you're going to figure out your gifts, your talents that God's blessed you with and how to use them effectively. So the blank here, in Christ's body, talking about the third metaphor of the body, I discover my unique value. So I discover my unique value. That's what you do in the body. Another verse here in Romans 12, 4 and 5 says this, Just as there are many parts to our bodies, so it is with Christ's body. We are all parts of it, and it takes every one of us to make it complete. For we each have a different work to do. So we belong to each other, and each of us needs 
all the others. Man, that's a power-packed verse. There's a lot in that verse. We see a lot of important things there that God makes clear to us. It says that the body is made up of many parts and we're all different. We're all different because God designed us that way. It would have been really boring if we were a bunch of robots that looked exactly the same and did the same thing. Beep, boop, pop, pop, I'm a robot. My daughter does that to me. She actually did it this morning. It was really cute. I was wiping her off after breakfast and she said, Beep, boop, pop, pop, daddy, I love you. <laughs> but you know what? Life would be boring if that's what we were like. If we were all exactly the same, it would be boring. Man, every day it'd be exactly the same. We'd all say the exact same things to each other. Could, I mean, could you imagine? He'd be like, ah, get me out of here. We're all needed to make the body complete, and everyone in their own different ways. We're all different. God made us different, and He did it for a reason, and He needs all of us. He needs all of us. It also says that we, can each, have, that we each have different work to do in that verse. It says different gifts and different talents can be used to accomplish God's plan. It goes on to say also that we belong to each other. We belong to each other and that all makes that really clear. It says each of us needs all the others. A body part separated from the body does absolutely no good. It has no value. You chop off your hand and you put it on a shelf at your house, it does you no good. It's going to sit there, it's going to rot, it's going to get stinky. Eventually you're going to throw it away because it's going to smell really bad. It does no good. Maybe it would clear the mice out of your house, I don't know, (laughs) from the smell. But it does you no good. Anything separated from the body has no value. Let me be really clear here. You cannot be what God made you to be without being connected to the church family. You can't be what God made you to be without being connected to the church. You can't fulfill your purpose in your life on your own. It's impossible. Remember that. It's impossible. On your own, it's impossible. You have to be connected. You have to belong to some local body of Christ. You have to belong to some church. We need each other. It's the reality of it. We need each other. It says this in 1 Corinthians 12, 15 and 16. If your foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any less a part of the body. And if your ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm only an ear and not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? Ephesians 4.25 says, In Christ's body, we're all connected to each other. Again, a body part not connected to the body will die every time. It's useless. You have to be connected. You have to be connected. Alright, let's look at the fourth metaphor. The fourth metaphor that the Bible gives to the church is a flock. It's a flock. And we're going to use a flock of sheep. Not a flock of geese or something else. I don't know what else is in flocks. But we're going, to talk, we're going to use sheep this morning. Like a flock of sheep, in God's flock, we're banded together. We're banded together. And Psalm 103 says, God made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Oh, there's another reason we're going to use sheep. Because it's in the Bible a lot. <laughs> Makes it easy. Makes it easy. Let me read you what Jesus says about shepherds and flocks and sheep. Because if you're sitting here and you know anything about sheep, you're going, I don't want to be a sheep. Sheep are stupid. They stink. They're not very smart. I don't want to be a sheep. Alright, well let's look at what uh, Jesus says here about shepherds and flocks and sheep in John 10. He says this, he says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Alright, it's getting a little better. Jesus is on our side, he's going to lay down his life for us. That's awesome. A hired hand runs away because he cares nothing for the sheep. 
At least Jesus isn't a hired hand. <laughs> he's not going to run away when it gets hard. He's not going to run away when the lions come in. He's, he's there. He's going to lay down his life for us. But I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. I lay down by my, my life for my sheep. They listen to my voice, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will ever be able to snatch my sheep out of my hand. Now it sounds a lot better to be a sheep, isn't it? A lot better. We're never going to get snatched out of God's hand, out of Jesus' hand. We're never going to get snatched out. He is going to lay down His life for us. So again, why a flock of sheep? This is for my wife, my wife Grace. My wife would say sheep is God's favorite animal. <laughs> sheep are God's favorite animal. That, that may or may not be true, but you definitely see it a lot in the Bible. So I would say that's, that's probably true. I would agree with my wife on that one. So, in God's flock, the blank here, in God's flock, I'm protected and cared for. I'm protected and cared for. I'm not on my own. Other people are looking out for me when you're part of the flock, when you're part of God's flock. I know that God is protecting me because I'm part of His flock. And not just God cares and protects for us, protects us, but in the flock of God we help each other. And you notice that if you know anything about sheep, they stick together. They don't very rarely ever one go run off by itself. They stay together in groups. They stay together to protect each other. And that's what the church is for. We're here together to care for and protect each other. And in the flock, God, in the flock of God, God has created two kinds of people. He's created two kinds of people who will take care of you, to step up for you, to watch out for you. The first of those is pastors. Us as pastors. The word pastor in Greek is poimen. That word means shepherd. That's what it means. Pastors are to shepherd the flock of God. Here's a verse in 1 Peter 5.2. He's talking to, to pastors here. He says, Take care of God's flock, His people, that you are responsible for. Watch over them, because you want to, not because you are forced to do it. it says, as pastors, pastors, take care of God's flock. Watch over them. That's my job. I'm to take care of God's flock. I'm to shepherd you, us as pastors, the other pastors here. We're to take care of you. We're to shepherd you. We're to watch out for you. I'm responsible to watch over you. In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews that pastors are to watch over you and that we're going to be held accountable to God for you. That's a heavy-duty thing. We as pastors are going to be accountable to what we've led you into, to what we've watched out for you, for each one of you, for all of you. We're going to be held accountable. We want to make sure that you're safe. We want to protect you from false doctrine, from cults, from worldly lies, from things that might come in and lead you down the wrong path. That's our job. We're to watch out for those things. We're to lead you in the right direction because, again, we as pastors are held accountable for each one of you. We care about you. We love you. We're here for you. We want you to know that. The second kind of people God's created to help you is small group members. He's put small group members around you. Fifty-eight times in the Bible the phrase one another appears. Fifty-eight times. Like, love one another, pray for one another, greet one another, care for one another. If you're part of that small group, that's where these things happen. That's why, again, if you're here this morning and you're not part of a small group, get connected. Get connected. God made the structure for a reason. He wants you to get to know people on a deeper level so they can help you. So they can come alongside you and love you and care about you and encourage you. And you can't do it in a group this big on a Sunday morning. It's just really hard to build those deeper relationships. You need a smaller group of people that you can get to know on that next level and grow deeper. You need to be in that group of five or ten people 
So join us. Jump in. Please don't leave this morning without deciding that you're going to join us this week for a small group. It's important. It really is important. This verse here in Galatians 6.2, it says, Share each other's troubles and problems, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Love your neighbor as yourself. Right? Love your neighbor as yourself. When you're part of a small group of people, you can love your neighbor. You can love those people as yourself. You can pray for them. Again, you can encourage them. You can help them through tough times. Another verse here in 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Encourage each other and give each other strength. Or to strengthen each other in these groups. That's what it means to be a Christian and be a part of God's flock. We're not just called to be, to be loved by God, but again, we're called to belong to His family, to His flock. And the great thing is, you don't have to be perfect to belong. None of us here are perfect. Nowhere near perfect. I'll admit that right now. <laughs> I know I'm not. And we all know we're not. We're not perfect. But you know what? God can use your weaknesses. He can use those things from your past, those struggles, those areas of sin that you struggle with, that you've now conquered. He can use those in a group of people because I guarantee you're not the only one who struggled with that area of sin or had that thing happen to you in your life. There's other people here who have been through it, who can come alongside you, who can love on you, who can encourage you through it. You don't have to be perfect to join us, to jump in, to be part of God's flock. Alright, the fifth and final metaphor we're going to look at is that the church is a garden. And specifically, we're going to look at a vineyard. In John 15, Jesus says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. The church is a garden, where Jesus is that vine, and we're the branches off of it. Those of you who know me, know I have a bunch of grapevines around my yard. A bunch of grapevines. <laughs> really only ten, but truckloads of grapes. <laughs> we couldn't even eat them all. I've eaten all kinds of grapes and everything. Grape ice cream, grape pie, grape stew. I don't even know what some of this stuff was. We had grapes in everything and there's still a ton of grapes left on our fence because we just couldn't eat them all. And you know what? Every spring, to make them get the grapes on, I, I have to trim them back. I trim them back and the funny thing about it is I cut off a bunch of the branches and there's a big pile of them. And you know what? I've never seen grapes grow on that pile of branches before. They just don't. Grapes don't grow on dead branches. <laughs> That's the reality of it. And if a branch is disconnected from the vine, it's dead. It dies. It dies pretty quickly. It dries up. It dries up and dies. And the same is true with us. If we're not connected to that vine, if we're not one of those branches that's connected to the vine, we're going to dry up and we're going to die. That's the reality of it. That's what's going to happen if you're not connected to the vine. So in God's garden, my life becomes productive is your blank. My life becomes productive. And when you have a, a branch that's connected to the vine, it's fruitful. It becomes fruitful. That life-giving life is flowing through the vine to the branches. And so we're able to bear fruit. And that's how we get grapes. When that branch is connected, grapes appear. And they're very fruitful. Here in John 15, 4 and 5, it says this. It says, A branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful apart from me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. God has all kinds of fruit that He wants each one of us to bear. He wants us to be fruitful. He wants to use us. But you know what? You can't bear that fruit alone. It's just not possible. You have to be connected to God. You have to be connected to His family to be as fruitful as you can be. And you have to be connected to the church, his family. 
So all these metaphors say that nothing happens, all of them that we looked at. All five of them say that nothing's going to happen unless you're connected to God. Unless you're connected to God and His family and you belong to it. It's really clear. He makes that clear through the Bible. If you're going to live the life that God really wants you to live, you're going to need the power to live on. You're going to need the people to live with, the principles to live by, a plan to live out, and a purpose to live for. And you'll find all of those things in God's family. You'll find those things. Where are you going to go to get those outside the church? There's a lot of self-help books out there that will tell you how to be successful. You know what? None of them work. None of them work. They're great ideas for a short amount of time. But in the long haul, none of them work. God created and designed the church to answer your deepest needs and answer those questions. So here's something I want you to think about. If you're not connected to a church like this one, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? What is the thing that you need that says, all right, I'm going to get connected. What are you waiting for? We're here for you. We'll be your family. You belong here. You can be here. Regardless of what's going on in your life, what you've done in your past, none of that matters. You're wanted here. We want you. We need you here. We need you to be a part of our family. So what do you do now? You go, all right, I'm the practical thinker. What do I do now? Well, you know what? The first thing you need to do, and what the Bible says, is if you haven't been baptized, you need to get baptized. And again, we want to make that possible for you. So we're doing them November 23rd, 24th. Talk to one of us. Talk to somebody who brought you. We'd love to get you baptized. It's that step of obedience. It's stepping out and saying, you know what? I'm part of God's family. Second, get in a small group. I hope I've made both of those clear. <laughs> this teaching, get in a small group. We meet on Wednesday nights. Again, there's sheets on the tables in the back that have all those locations. Don't walk out of here this morning without grabbing one of those sheets and joining us this week if you've never been to one of our small groups. Come talk to me afterward again. We'll meet at my house. We'll figure it out if 40 of you show up. We'll figure it out. All right? Finally, the last thing that you need to do is you need to fall in love with the church. You need to fall in love with the church because all of us to here together are better than we are apart. We're better than we are apart. If you're out there on your own trying to do it, you're not going to be successful. You need to be part of a family. Let's pray. Well, God, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you that you have given us this family. God, that you designed it for us, looking at our needs and what we need. God, you designed it for us. You gave us a place to come together where we're watched out for, we're protected, we're cared for. God, we're, we're not alone. We can come here being weak people. God, and you will use us. You will make us productive. You promise if we're connected to the vine... You will bear fruit through us, God. And I, I pray that we would be the most fruitful group of men and women here ever. God, make us fruitful. But God, I pray that you would deepen our relationships here. God, help us if there's people here who are not connected to either the church or a small group or have never been baptized. God, I pray you work on their hearts this morning. God, help us be connected. God, we want to be connected. God, it's such an amazing place to be when you can come alongside a brother and sister who doesn't expect you to be perfect and they'll love on you and encourage you and help you. God, it's an amazing place and it's an amazing thing you've designed for us. God, we thank you for it. God, we thank you that you do want us to be a part of your family, that Jesus said he's not ashamed of us. No matter what's happened in our life, Jesus isn't ashamed of us. If we turn our life over to him and give him our life, he is not ashamed of us. Amen. God, thank you for that. Thank you that we're accepted, that we're loved. 
God, I thank you for this family. God, I pray that you would continue to grow our family, continue to bring more and more people here who want to just be part of a family, a family that's going to last forever, a family that's going to last in eternity. God, we want to be that. God, help us to just continue to trust you, to continue to obey you, to continue to love you in this family. God, we ask these things and pray you bless in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, Again, feel free to join us next week. We do have Saturday night service and Sunday morning here, so feel free to join us, and thanks for coming. Have a great day.